there's like so much information out there. It's like, where do you even begin? You can, it's like so easy to get overwhelmed. I think the biggest thing is like making one small change at a time, just being consistent with that change. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. What is it about being on the water? There's something so peaceful and serene and happy about it. I feel like that is actually just my happy place. On Saturday afternoon, we rented a boat, and so we spent the afternoon out on the water. And it just got me thinking. It's so interesting. I love the city, and I'm obsessed with living in Toronto. But as humans, we've spent so much time, and our societies have spent so much time building up these cities with all of the things that we think we could ever want, with these massive skyscrapers and restaurants and homes and neighborhoods. And then when you ask someone, when was the last time that you felt the most at peace or the most happy? Nine times out of 10, they mention it was when they were in nature. We just have such an innate connection to nature, whether we fully acknowledge it or not. And as much as we love all the man-made shit, like there's also just something about the beauty of nature that we could never actually replicate and that we could never actually build. And I think there's something so amazing about that. And I know for my own personal mental well-being, even just taking the time to go to the park for 30 minutes and sit under the trees. Like there's something that's so refreshing and mentally rejuvenating about that. I talked about that a little bit in this podcast episode with Theo Lim. Theo is a personal trainer here in Toronto. His specialty lies in strength training and mindful movement practices, and he really aims to educate and empower his clients so that they can take control of their health and fitness for the rest of their lives. Theo started his journey in health and fitness 12 years ago. When he was 16, he dove deep into strength training and powerlifting and was engulfed in that for close to a decade. More recently, he's found a sweet spot between lifting weights, which has been mainly kettlebells and body weight, and then movement and mobility training. His evolution over the past 12 years is the reason why he's so passionate about education and making fitness and health more accessible for others. I love how Theo has adopted a real holistic approach to this thing that we call fitness. It's not just about what happens in the gym, and we talk about that a lot in this episode, but it's also about how you're doing mentally and what are you eating and how are you sleeping and are you happy? So I loved so many elements of this conversation, and I'm really excited to share it with all of you guys. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Theo Lim. Hi, Theo. Welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Okay, so to start off, question for you. How do you feel about walking? 
Walking. I think walking is like super underrated. Yeah, I've been trying to get more into walking, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes spread out throughout the day. Um, but walking is something like I universally prescribe to everyone because it's like the easiest form of getting some activity in, especially over the last five, six months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, true. Um, I love the walking. It really helps me split up my day as well because I, so I work from home now. I train clients in my home and sometimes if I don't leave, I just feel like I'm here all day. So even if it's like a quick 10 minute walk, gives me that mental break as well as like a little bit of physical activity. Yeah, that makes total sense. You have a pretty sweet home gym setup. That's so cool that you're actually training clients out of your home gym now as well. I didn't realize you were doing that. But can you tell us about your home gym and about the training that you're doing there? For sure, for sure. So I train clients out of my two-car garage. It's been awesome. Like it's, I personally started training in it about two years ago, just in a corner of it. And then I think last summer around this time, I thought, you know what, why don't I expand this whole thing so I can just train everyone here. I do mainly one-on-one training and two-on-one training out of my garage gym. I mean, it was sweet before, and then just the whole situation with COVID just made it a lot sweeter, I think. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Everyone, like, I know two other people that have home gyms, and that is such a sick setup. COVID would have been fine if I had a home gym, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that was the thing I was missing the most, I feel like. Mm -hmm, For sure. That's great. What does your personal training program look like right now? Right now, it's pretty... Pretty simple. I'm focusing on a few exercises only. So I train three days on my own. And then on Saturdays, I do like an outdoor workout with a bunch of my clients. So yeah, it's super simple. I'm doing a double kettlebell clean and press. Mm -hmm. So that's my main move. I'm doing that three times a week. Uh, So very focused on strength right now for that move specifically. My other main moves are pull-ups and front squats. You are like the king of simplicity. I see your training, uh, some of your workouts that you post, and it's like you're picking two exercises, back Mm -hmm. and forth on those two exercises. That's it. Why do you think you gravitate towards simplicity so much? I think it's a personal preference. Like I, I realized when I try to plan out too much in one workout, at least for now, like when I try to put, when I, when I put anything more than five exercises in one workout, the chances of me of doing it drop significantly. I, I just noticed that about myself. So I usually do two like primer moves, usually like Turkish get-ups or TRX rows or hanging leg raises. So what does right? primer move mean? Just like after I do my mobility warm-up, like the rolling and then the mobility warm-up, and then I'll do either get-ups, TRX rows, or hanging leg raises just two sets, three sets of each, just to kind of help literally prime my body, kind of get my core going, my shoulders. It just gives me a chance to warm up a bit more Mm -hmm. before I get to the main work, which would be like the pull-ups, the clean and press, and the front squat. I think that's just a result of training for a while now and like just lifting for a while where I realize, okay, I actually need a lot more time to get into like the main work before I really get into it. Yeah, for sure. 
That makes total sense. And you have been training for quite a while. I think you said, I think it's said on your website, like 12 years or something of training experience, mm -hmm. at least. Why did you pick the, why the clean and press though? Like, why is that the one that you've been dialing in on lately? Mm, in a really greedy way, it's a lot of upper body work and I'm trying to grow the upper body, but um, it's also, it's also fun. Like it was a new move for me. So I only recently got into kettlebells, maybe in the last year and a half, two years. It's been really fun to kind of be a beginner again and have to learn technique on these new moves. Because I, I was primarily coming from a barbell background. So, you know, squats, bench press, deadlift. So I did that for a long time. So just the introduction of kettlebells is like, oh, cool. And I, I like learning technique. I'm like a perfectionist in that way. It's fun to have to learn all this again. I love that mentality. I love that mindset of I get to be a beginner again. I think a lot of people get frustrated when they feel like they don't know the technique and they have to figure it out and they have to go through that process. Mm -hmm. But I think that's so cool that you have such a different approach to it. Where do you think that comes from? Mm, I mean, I know you guys are at All Day Fit are like super into technique as well. For me, at least, I got super lucky when I first started training. I feel like I fell upon the right coaches and the right content where the first thing I learned was like, okay, you need to learn technique. It was immediately like, okay, I need to dial in technique mm -hmm. before I can continue doing this. So I think just from an early age, like I started lifting at 15, 16 and right from the start, it was like, this is what's important. And then everything else will come after. Wow. That's so clutch. I feel like that's so different than my experience where I have mm. a dancing background where you just move, like you don't move in ways that are functional. Like the point is just get your leg up as high as you can and it doesn't matter how you freaking do it, right? Like you're wrenching on your hips, who cares? <laughs> it's kind of like that mentality. And then when I got into fitness for the first time, it was completely in the group fitness space mm -hmm. and they don't give a crap about technique. It's just like, how many squats can you do? How many burpees can you do? So I feel like I've been unlearning like so right. many things personally in mm -hmm. my training experience so that is so clutch that you actually started off with people that were teaching you good technique it's amazing right. right yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff i learned from group fitness too because i only learned about group fitness maybe three four years ago before that i it wasn't really an interest for me or i didn't really know what was happening in that space but when I saw group fitness, I was like, oh, snap, There's, you can actually get a lot done in 45 minutes, <laughs> right? True, yeah. Before, <laughs> it was like very heavy powerlifting where, okay, hit a set, hang out for a few minutes. So I'm watching people, I'm like, oh, wow, I kind of need to step up my game. Um, <laughs> I could get a lot more done. Yeah, it's a completely different headspace, I feel. Mm -hmm. It's good, though. Do you ever get bored in your training with how simple it is? Mm hmm. Not really. I think I will change what I'm focusing on every six to 12 weeks, usually, where it's like, I'll maybe focus on a different lift or like change kind of my objective. And that kind of keeps me excited about it. Mm -hmm. But I'm super into keeping a training log. Like I'm really big on that. And I think it helps me a lot with the mental aspect of things where when I'm doing something, it's like a and because I'm so dialed in on technique, how the breathing feels, how every rep feels, it's just a constant like celebration. Every time I hit a rep and it feels good for 
me, I'm like, okay, that felt good. And I couldn't really do it that well last time or a month ago. And I think that helps me a lot. And I only just thought about that recently where just that constant reflection of like, okay, this is better than it was a few weeks ago. And I think that just helps me keep going. It sounds like you are so dialed in on the process and how every single rep feels. It sounds like a little bit of a meditation for you even. Mm -hmm. Do you think of it that way ever? It's, as you said, it's a really long, it's a, it's the process, right? And it's a really long process. And I think, again, it came from when I first started, like just the guys, there are a few coaches I'd like to name. They're like, so Joe DeFranco um, and Jim Wendler. Mm-hmm. These are two strength coaches that really helped me mold like my mindset around it. Cause I guess when I was com- when I was learning, these guys were maybe mid to late thirties. And I think at that point they had already gone through like putting their body through it. So when they, when they're writing these things that they're writing, it's like, look, this kind of happens after you, after you've been lifting for this long, like your body will kind of start getting beat up a little. So you kind of need to be smart about it. So that's what really helped me. Yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome that you had such great coaches and mentors in your life so young. It's all, it's, that's amazing. Okay, let's talk a little bit about you with your clients. I think it's very important for trainers to remember that we are personal trainers and everything we do really should be individualized to our clients. There's nothing that makes me more frustrated than very cookie cutter programs where you have no idea why the trainer is prescribing what they are for certain clients. How do you go from understanding your client's goals and then what's the process that you go through for programming for them to make sure that they are informed by those goals? Right, right. What helps me is starting with a good questionnaire and then getting to meet the person one-on-one and really taking the time to get to know them and understand what, they, what it is they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So that's super important. Like one of the questions I ask is, like, what are, your, what are your main goals in, say, the next two to three months, right? But more importantly, it's like, why do you think that would make you happy? So I think that second one really helps me. Yeah, that second one really helps me get a feel of what they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. And from there, I try to be pretty, like, transparent with what it is I'm doing in the gym. Like, okay, we're focusing on mobility. We got to get you moving well. And we're focusing on strength training because we got to get you strong and then just make sure you're capable, make sure you're healthy. So then from that point, it's like, okay, they come in, we do the assessment. And from there, it's just like really getting dialed in on how this person's moving. That's the main thing. Just see how they're moving right now. Understand what, what like their daily life requires them to do. Like, are they office workers? Do they have certain um, goals like with, certain activities or sports. Mm -hmm. So like really taking the time to understand that because then from there, it's just like, okay, this person has limitations here. We can't do this at all, but that's cool. We have all this other stuff we can do. I'm like super basic with my strength training. I, I do go by the whole over the course of week. Let's just make sure we're hitting some kind of squatting, some kind of lunging, some kind of hinging motions. So that's the lower body. And then I go with the push pull for upper body. 
and some kind of rotational work for the core. Um, so, so from there, it's just like, okay, this is, in terms of what I'm prescribing people for exercises, it's kind of like, okay, where are they at? It's all progressions, right? Um, it's all progressions. Yeah, I love a lot of things that you just said there. First of all, I love that you go deeper. You, you ask them what their goals are, okay. But like, mm -hmm. why are those your goals? Why do you think, and I loved how you phrase it, why will that make you happy? Like, mm -hmm. why is it that that's what you want and what are you really coming for? Because mm -hmm. people, people lie to themselves about that all the time. So taking the time to kind of go on that exploration with a client, I think is huge in connecting with them and then being able to, you know, make sure their training is in line with, with, with what deep down it is that they're seeking, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. And then meeting the client wherever they are, I think is mm -hmm. another thing that you were touching on there, which is, which is so crucial, right? Because yes, we talked about how your programming tends to be pretty simple. And it sounds like you just, you know, you have a very balanced, you look at the week and you want all the movements to be balanced of all the main primal movement patterns that we would want someone to be able to do. Okay. But you have to be strategic. And when you're talking about progressions and regressions, like you can't just give a client a, a walking lunge if they can't stabilize, you know, if they have their, this valgus fault with their knee and they, they can't actually stabilize the arch on their foot and they're, it's caving in. Like we have to understand, like, how do we work someone up to something like a walking lunge? which I think that move specifically, that exercise is something that people think is so simple, but in reality, like that's a pretty advanced movement in my eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. No, for sure. For sure. I think like sometimes as trainers, because these are the things we do in the gym and it comes so naturally to us, for me too, it's so, sometimes I catch myself like, no, I'm, I'm kind of overcomplicating this for this person or I'm giving them too much. Because then something that I think about now is like, look, if this person is not very active, anything we do in here is like going to be significantly like more than they're used to. So I, for me, I love glute bridges. I love things like single leg glute bridges and hip thrust. When I, when I just think about it, I'm like, okay, I don't need, this person doesn't actually need to deadlift right now. Let me just help them strengthen themselves with glute bridges. It's like a lot more simple, you know. 100%, 100% agree with you. I think it's hard when you've been training for years and years and years sometimes to put yourself in the mentality of a beginner because you're so far gone from that, which I feel like is why it's so important to get feedback from clients as well mm -hmm. and to be asking them, like, how is this challenge level for you? How did you feel the next day? You know, having that conversation instead of just prescribing as if, like, you know exactly where they are, you know? Right, for sure. One, one question that's helped me a lot, actually, in terms of meeting new clients is, and, and I don't make any of this stuff up. I, I get it from other trainers who have been doing this for a lot longer than me. But I got this from, uh, you know, Jordan Syatt, mm -hmm. Syatt Fitness. Um, him and he had a podcast with Luca Hosevar, which is another trainer I like a lot. But um, basically the follow-up question to the goals and why that would make them happy. The next follow-up question is like, on a scale of one to 10, like how confident are you in your ability to achieve those goals? Basically, I'm looking for like at least a seven out of 10 in confidence, because if it's less, it's like, okay, we need to uh, reconfigure the goals or make it easier some way, right? They're calling that like self-efficacy, Some like someone's ability to believe in themselves that they'll get it done, right? 
And I was thinking about that, just like in terms of my training, when I set out for a goal, it's always like, okay, it's going to happen. It's just going to take a while, but it's going to happen. There's like no doubt in my mind. You know what I mean? And I think it's just like teaching people how to have that mentality as well, which is all super tough. Like for me, like all this stuff is so challenging as a trainer. Yeah, because now you're getting at people's beliefs about themselves, mm-hmm. right? And to try to chip away at their beliefs. So if they believe that they're going to be able to do something, it is so much more likely that they'll get there than if they kind of believe that they're not the type of person that would be able to, you know, deadlift two times their body or whatever it, whatever their goal happens to be, hit five pull-ups or something. Like if you don't have that belief in yourself, that's going to be your barrier. That's going to be your biggest barrier. But like chipping away at belief systems, like that shit takes time. That's, that's not easy. Mm -hmm. I think it can be done in the gym though, to be fair. Like, I think the moment that you do something that you definitely know that you couldn't do before, I think it like starts that process of chipping away, you know, slowly. Exactly. So you've been training for a long time. I would love if you could like rewind 10 years for us and I want to know how your mentality around training was different, say, 10 years ago than it is right now. The biggest thing I'd say would be, I think I used to attach to like my own worth and value to the amount of weight I was lifting. Like that's the single biggest thing, actually. So it's because it was very um, numbers focused, like powerlifting focus like I want to squat x amount or bench x amount or deadlift x amount if the session didn't go well it's like that would mess my whole day up you know what I mean like that would bring me down a lot and it's just like okay if if this person if my friend is lifting x amount and it's like oh but I'm, I'm lifting less you know those kinds of things like I think it was very ego driven I think as naturally as like a 15, 16, 18, 20 year old. So I'd say that's the biggest thing where I was very attached to those things. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's like those things will come anyway. Just, I just have to make sure I feel good. Also age or the term uh, training age, just like how long you've been training. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like my training age is getting up there, which is why I'm so focused focused on like the mobility stuff because I felt like all the injuries I think that you could possibly feel like low back knee shoulders wrists you know the whole thing and Mm -hmm. I don't really want to feel that stuff anymore like I've gone through it it doesn't feel good when you're in it so now I'm like a lot more mindful of that basically how I don't want to feel man the process of pulling your self-worth away from numbers or your success in the gym is a very challenging one mm-hmm. how do you think that you were able to do that how are you able to separate your personal value and who you are from what you're able to do with a barbell mm-hmm. i'm not sure that's a deep question yeah. <laughs> i it's... didn't prep him for that one <laughs> <laughs> then there's the whole thing about like your self-worth in relation to how, how you look or how you think you look. There's all that too, which is all like super, super interesting to think about. I mean, but, do you, do you feel like that you identify with that as well? Like the way, when you look better, you feel like you have more value. Is that something that your brain does? When you make progress in the gym, 
and you see what that looks like and you like, okay, this is how I look right now. And then perhaps in the past you've looked better or in your eyes, or perhaps in the past you've looked worse, but maybe, I don't know. It's like an interesting thing, right? Where in my mind it could be like, oh, I look better in the past. Maybe that might mess me up. Yeah. It's, it's all very interesting. I definitely need to think about that more. Okay. You can get back to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We compare ourselves to our past self or, well, we do that all the time, right? We compare our, like what we can do now to what we used to be able to do or how we look now to how we used to look. And we, we right. love to make that comparison. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting because like I was a completely different person five years ago. I don't even feel like the Casey that I am today. It like, of course it's not the same Casey as I was five years ago. Right. So why would I compare to that? I am literally a new different human and I plan to be a literally new different human in five years and then 10 years and 20 years. So it's a very weird thing. Like there were so many things about my life that were just so different. Like, why do I go to that place where I have to like long for something else? Why can't I just be like the current me, right? And be okay mm-hmm. with the current version of me. I think it's just something that a lot of us could get better mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like a lot of it always comes down to mindfulness, right? And like your attachments with certain with certain things or certain thought patterns or yeah, a lot of it I find comes back down to that. Yeah, 100%. And awareness of your thoughts and how they're affecting you, for sure. It's interesting. So speaking of the past, I I've personally had the experience that when I've been in some of the most trying times of my life, I didn't actually realize mm-hmm. the, str- the real like struggle and hardship that I was going through until like looking back and saying like, wow, I overcame that. Do any like past struggles come to mind as far as things that have defined the person that you are now? Hmm. A lot of it's definitely um, overcoming like, I guess the judgment of myself or the critique of myself. Again, just being mindful of being aware of like those thoughts, those thought patterns. And yeah, that's definitely something I'm like still working on all the time um definitely more in the last three four months i'd say actually oh really Mm -hmm. what's been different in the last three or four months i mean covid gave us a lot of time to think and just i just yeah definitely made some realizations where it's like learning how to judge myself less yeah and just like learning to talk a little kinder to myself if that makes Mm -hmm. sense absolutely yeah so so important so we're i don't know why we're so freaking hard on ourselves and so judgmental of ourselves but mm-hmm. i think for a lot of us that's our default do you identify as being a perfectionist i guess so before at least i i'm trying uh trying not to be too hard but i think that it's is not inherently a bad thing like i think there's something amazing about having such an attention to detail and a drive to do well and succeed and you know execute the rep perfectly or whatever like i think that's a beautiful thing i think it just yeah can come at the cost of us being judgmental on ourselves when that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen yeah definitely definitely like of course it's like why do you as well yeah i'm like you know a recovering perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah it definitely helps us in some ways right but I think for me, 
Um, the biggest thing has been like learning to judge myself less so I can judge others less as well. Like that's the main thing behind that. Yeah. Great point, man. Wow. Like every single discomfort that we have with other people and every single judgment that we place on other people comes from Mm -hmm. our ego, our insecurity, our own shit. Like the only reason that we get uncomfortable, because if you weren't uncomfortable with that thing in yourself, you just look Mm -hmm. at them and you say, whatever, that's them. That's their life. You know, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have an emotional attachment to it because why, why does it matter? It doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. But that second that it pulls at something that we're like, Oh, like, you know, mm-hmm. we're jealous of it or I don't know, it gets, it gets at something within us. Mm-hmm. That's when we have the emotional response. So I think that we like really, I'm personally working on being aware of mm-hmm. those situations even more. Like why, why am I worked up about this? Right. It's interesting. Right. And yeah, it is like, it's like a daily thing and all the time kind of thing. Yeah. And I think uncovering those insecurities is obviously very important because the first step is at least being aware of them and being like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I think a lot of people go through life and they're, they're never aware even of what their insecurities are and why they're having these like emotional responses to people or judging people all the time. And to mm-hmm. me, that's, that's a disservice to themselves for sure. You know? Right. Right. Can you tell me about your training that you're doing through the Czech Institute? Are you still yeah. in the program? Right. So I finished the level one. Oh, cool. I, feel, I feel like it's super, um, I kind of just dipped my foot in there. Um, yeah. Well, Paul, Paul is a fascinating guy. Like to hear mm-hmm. him speak. I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast, but like mm-hmm. he goes deeper than any human I've ever mm-hmm. heard before. Like I'm sure that there are just like, you know, so many layers you could go mm-hmm. in with him, but. I'm, you, I'm interested to hear about your experience with the, with the first level, at least. Yeah, I took his level one course just online. It was a good intro to like everything he's doing because he's got like a level two, level three, which will be cool to eventually do and then hopefully get to meet him in person. That'll be super cool. Yeah. yeah, basically, he's like he's a holistic lifestyle, like practitioner, coach. And I think his main thing, if I were to like summarize it, is like, basically what this podcast is all about, like feeling your own body or feeling your own thoughts as well and like how that affects you and whether that helps you or not. So he has a few, I think, very introductory books. So his first one is like the last four doctors you'll ever need. So his four doctors are Dr. Diet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Happiness, and Dr. Quiet how to break it down like doctor diet is just like the food we're putting in us right or the water and then movement is like the exercise we need to feel our best and then doctor happiness is like really defining what makes us happy because you know he says it a lot where it's like if we're not able to define what makes us happy then like how will you ever be happy right so taking the time to define that and then yeah. his fourth one doctor quiet is just like how much time do you need to recharge like your own me time kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So that's his, like, that's his four doctors thing, which I love. So again, it's all dependent on you. It's not really us going to outside sources to find health. It's mm-hmm. all like we're, we're in control of it, which I really love. Um, and then he has these six foundational principles. I don't know if you've heard any of this. Yeah, I've heard some of it, but keep going. I'm loving yeah, okay. it. So his six <laughs> foundational principles 
he's got like the yin and yang because always got to balance the action with the resting right Mm -hmm. so in terms of action it's like thinking breathing and moving those are like the action ones so how you think you know diaphragmatic breathing and being aware of that and then movement again comes back to exercise and then on the yin side the recovery side it's like hydration food and sleep so again these are all things like that are already like we have all this we don't really have to go out and consult anyone about it or anything like that it's all these things are in our control and then just learning more about the little details about actually like how to eat better quality foods for me that was the biggest thing I learned about macronutrients and I like followed macronutrients like two years ago and that really helped me understand like the portion side of things with this it kind of really helped me understand like okay there's actually a difference between like the organic foods and the non-organic foods and all these little things right yeah Yeah. so i feel like it was a basic intro to get in there and i loved it i loved it that's cool yeah i love all that stuff you're making me want to do it Mm -hmm. when you guys talked about dr happiness Mm -hmm. what did you define as the things that make you happy Mm -hmm. well i think about this a lot right now and i'm trying to practice it because During COVID, I took four months off. I didn't do a whole lot of virtual training. I did a little bit, but I really just took like a good amount of time off. And it was great because before COVID, I was like at the point of burning out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So right right when it happened, I was kind of like celebrating a little. I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. Time to relax. That Um, tells you something, huh? Like if you felt relief mm -hmm. when everyone had to stay home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were were at close to a breaking point, I bet. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed my leisure time. And that's what I realized, like, okay, I really like my leisure time. I like not having, to, not having stuff to do so I can just go for a walk, go for a bike ride, you know, go explore or like spend some time in the garden. As well as a recovering perfectionist, I'm also like, as well as a perfectionist, I'm probably like a little bit of a workaholic. I find with training, it's just always always on and I find even if I'm not training someone I'm kind of thinking about the next training session how that's going to go or how I can make that go as well as possible so for me it's just learning to not do that (laughs) and (laughs) enjoy the leisure time a little so now I'm just trying to schedule the week where I have a bit more of that I can definitely relate to that feeling of like being full in on the trainer life and it just feeling like it's always on and there's always more to do or there's always a client asking to move the session and move it to a time when you've got, you know, three others and all this stuff. Like I totally, Mm -hmm. totally get it. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like a lot of the leisure activities that you enjoy are outside. Do you feel like most happy and at peace when you're in nature? Do you think? I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yep. (laughs) I'm I'm just I think uh, yeah big fan of outs the outdoors, but also just like learning to relax. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You you need to give me some tips on that. I've like not been very good at that lately. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. When you work with clients, let's say you've worked with them for a year or more, mm-hmm. what do you hope that they walk away knowing? Mm-hmm. What are the biggest things you want to teach them? My main things I'd say are 
being aware of their body, how that feels, how their body feels on a daily basis, and hopefully giving them the appropriate tools so that they can deal with it. Unless you're dealing with something major, I think a lot of it can be resolved with basic mobility drills or rolling. So getting them to be aware of how their body feels, I think is for me, one of the most important things. And then of course, if they can walk away, like knowing how to train and then do that on their own, I think that's a really big win. Like if I see some client or some past clients and they're still working out on their own and you know, they're gotten into the habit and they like, and they like that. It's like, okay, that's the biggest win possible. And then now on top of that, just like starting to educate more about all those things, like the sleeping habits, the food, the water, how all that can help them. So I'd say those are the main things. Yeah, that's awesome. Those are all such important components. I think often we start learning just about fitness and then a lot of us realize, oh, the sleep, the nutrition, all this other stuff Mm -hmm. is so key as well. Right. And, And these are all things that I've like, I'm still working on all the time. Before COVID, my sleep wasn't that great. Yeah. What are we talking? I was getting by on maybe five, six hours and it wasn't great. Um, So so when, when quarantine kind of started and I just slept, I was like, wow, this, uh, this feels really good. (laughs) What was I doing the last uh, few years? Imagine that sleep feels good. (laughs) So now like having a really solid bedtime has been super crucial for me. That's been super helpful. That's amazing. Any other big changes that you've made? like in your own journey with learning some of these things you talked a little bit about like organic versus not organic food Mm -hmm. anything else yeah so definitely buying like higher quality meat in particular like hormone free or locally raised or grass-fed just like okay there's there's a big difference both in the nutrition side of things but also in the whole bigger picture like the whole uh what's the word i'm looking for like sustainability of the world you mean right right 100 Mm -hmm. percent And it's funny because these are like things for me, I find, I always like say, I'm a slow learner, but I learn. So like, I've heard about these things for a long time, but it always takes me a little while to like, okay, I've heard about that for a long time, but now I get it. And now I'm actually doing it. Yeah. There's also just so much information. Like we're living in an information age. So like we're constantly being inundated with facts about things right Mm -hmm. and we cannot possibly absorb all of it so I think sometimes it takes it coming from a source that like gives you that comprehensive understanding for you to be Mm -hmm. like oh okay now I see where this context is and now I understand this concept someone just spits it at you like that's not enough for most humans to actually be inspired to make a change you know Mm -hmm. someone could tell me like don't drink tap water I don't know like you know, 20 times. But until I like really get why and I'm hearing it from a source that I've sought out, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't drink tap water then, right? Oh, or do you drink tap water? <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink tap water. Okay. Water's an interesting thing. Um, I don't is. drink tap. I- yeah. <laughs> I don't drink tap water. I don't drink distilled water though. That just takes everything out of it. Like I understand right. that there are lots of important things Ideally, you know, we'd all be drinking natural spring water, but right. it, Toronto, like I don't necessarily have access to that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, 
I filter my water and then we have like, I like put salt in my water sometimes to like just get right. some minerals in there. But right, yeah. Right, right. Yes, what kind I of water it. do you drink? I drink tap water because I'm still learning about this. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, I should probably check for Toronto because I don't know if the levels are high in Toronto, but in most places, water is treated with chlorine, which just messes up your microbiome, gut microbiome. Like right. think about what chlorine does in pools. It mm-hmm. kills off all the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So if you're drinking chlorine, it's just shitty for your gut. Right, right. All right, Theo, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your thoughts with us on the podcast. Do you have anything to add before we sign off? Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And second, I heard the news about the DTS education. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I got a new So kick. you're going to be an instructor there? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I'm developing some content for them on their courses they're moving most of their stuff virtual and online and Mm -hmm. then also instructing on some of their virtual courses Mm -hmm. so yeah nice nice that's awesome have you taken uh, courses with dts i did their animal flow cool so that was cool i really like how they roll things out it's like super super comprehensive super digestible i enjoyed it yeah, one of the things that, that we love is like you to be able to apply the knowledge that you learn. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter the information that you get, right? If you can't, then go out and actually apply it with yourself and with clients. So that's good to hear. I guess um, the sign-off would be, I mean, there's, a, there's always a lot to like the health and fitness. There's so much to it, right? As you're saying, there's like so much information out there. It's like, where do you even begin? You can, it's like so easy to get overwhelmed. I think the biggest thing is like making one small change at a time, just being consistent with that change, feeling the effects of that change, like whether it's positive or negative and just slowly, it's like, it's a super slow process, unfortunately, but very worth it. Those are wise words. I could not agree with you more. Small incremental changes and you got to commit to the process of it. Cool. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Theo. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel? If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.